0: Evernational Orienteering Podcast mapping, and Compass Navigation Skill Orienteering Competition Evernational Orienteering Podcast Evernational Orienteering Podcast welcomes you again to a new episode uh, even if you are, we are in uh, the month of the Christmas December uh, we have uh, some Yeah, some gifts or some things to talk about uh, among orienteering still. um, In Norway, it's pretty cold these days. Uh, How is it in Switzerland, Ivo?
1: Yeah, it's it's very cold, minus degrees. And uh, it's also a little bit of snow. So really uh, proper winter feeling here, uh, which is uh, nice in one way, but also not super nice. I prefer it when it's warmer.
0: And in this time, uh, some used to have such uh, Christmas calendars, or do you call it the Advent calendars? What do you call it in English?
1: I, I actually don't know, but I'm pretty sure that all our listeners, they know what we're talking about. You know, this countdown uh, to, to Christmas. Uh, uh, we have the traditional route to Christmas at World of U. I don't know. I think the first one was back in 2007 or something. So it's 15 years of history. Uh um every day with these very interesting long de- long legs or yeah i guess later in the route to christmas there will also be some shorter sprint legs and stuff like that but so far it's been these proper long legs in the forest uh, <clears throat> i think it's a very good theoretical training but also it's a very nice uh, memory of uh, of the season that has been and uh, a bit of a motivation boost for the season that is coming next year
0: yeah, that's uh, that's good. Uh, yeah, as you said, the technical training. Yeah, and we have also seen there is uh, some other uh, Christmas calendars uh, at uh, mapant.es from Spain. Uh, there is one, and uh, yeah, that's
1: that's actually one of my favorites. It's really really cool. Uh, so it's basically I think they are active on Instagram and on Facebook, uh, and it's. Yeah, so basically, the whole of Spain is uh, there's a map and map of whole of Spain, and then uh, for this calendar, they have picked out twenty five or twenty four really cool areas from the map and map, Uh, and then they have fantasy drawn it so it looks like a proper orienteering map, and then they make one really cool leg, or or a short tail of a a short part of a course with several controls. Uh, So really, uh, it's. It's based on real life, but it's not real, and it's some amazing uh, fantasy terrains. Uh, they are they are creating there.
0: Uh, and uh, there's also one in uh, Czech Republic, uh, in a Czech uh, orienting site. Uh, but as uh, you mentioned, uh, you need to have uh, Google Translate. At least we need uh, because we don't we're not so fluently speaking Czech. So to understand that. Um, we need some uh, Google Translate.
1: Yeah, uh, but in the in the in the modern day, that is very easy accessible. So uh, I think orienteering nerds they can definitely find some interest in, in the Czech uh, O calendar at the O uh, which is yeah, um, which is very enjoyable even if you don't speak uh, speak the language.
0: Yeah about uh, Czech Republic uh, I found some interesting statistics there about uh, how many who had uh, participated in um, in races this season compared to last season. We know that Czech Republic is uh, really active uh, orienteering country both uh, yeah in uh, the national competitions and they're also uh, frequently doing uh, international champs and World Cups, uh, both uh, in all orienteering disciplines. Uh, And uh, yeah, we're seeing here that there's a little bit of decrease in uh, registered competitors this year compared to last year, but uh, not so much. Uh, So, yeah, uh, what do you call in statistics? Not not significant less than last year.
1: Yeah so it's not significant uh, it's uh, going down from about 12,400 registered competitors to 2000 12,100 so about 2 almost 300 people less 2023 than 2022 have taken part in in, in competitions in Czech Republic uh not a big not a big drop uh, so i wouldn't be too worried about it uh, hopefully it goes back up next year a little bit uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, what is a bit worrying is that uh, most of the drop seems to be um, with young kids uh, or younger runners. So the drop in athletes under the age of eighteen has been, uh, yeah, about two hundred fifty. So basically, everyone that is dropping out uh, is is under the age of eighteen, and that's uh, of course not a good sign.
0: No, that that uh, that's uh, not a good sign. Uh, but uh, one who got a uh, good uh, sign, or at least uh, a great achievement, this uh, weekend was uh, the Holland coach Rolf Fara. He was awarded Coach of the Year in Norway. Uh, uh, quite interesting, uh, uh, Rolf Fara from uh, Spain. He, he was uh, awarded uh, last year uh, in Murcia, his uh, hometown or home district in Spain. He was awarded the coach of the area, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, this uh, this year uh, he was uh, named and achieved the coach of the year uh, diploma from the Norwegian Orienteering Federation.
1: Yeah, so, you know, that's clearly a step up from being in the, in the region or in the city uh, to a whole country. Uh, so, yeah, but that, I think, uh, of course, uh, uh, Raul Ferrer is one of our great listeners, so we have to speak very well about him. But I would do that even if I knew that he wasn't listening, because he is. Uh, I, I really, I really appreciate him as a coach and as a person, uh, and I think he is offering a lot uh, to the to the environment in Halden. Um, I think it's a bit shame that, uh, yeah, um, that you have a special guy like that coming from Spain, and then he is not able to be used properly in Spain instead if he's been used properly in Norway Uh, but yeah uh, he's a great contribution for the effort the Halden uh, both for the for the younger ones and for the elite Uh, and hopefully uh, we will see him coaching the Spanish national team or something like that in the future because I think he has a lot to contribute to a growing orienteering nation like Spain.
0: Uh, and he, he got got uh, quite a tough uh, start of his uh, Holmen uh, career uh, because of the COVID pandemic, and then it was uh, 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 not so many things he could do, and and but he he is uh, he is a guy who don't get demotivated about uh, struggling in uphill, and now he has uh, got some. Yeah, uh, I think uh, they have signed some good runners and uh, it could be a, an exciting 2024 for Roland and Halden.
1: Uh, yeah, Halden has had basic, uh, some kind of a, a little bit of rebuild uh, compared to yeah five, six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, but yeah, I think things are looking good. They have a lot of interesting younger runners. Uh, so I wouldn't be too surprised if Halden is really Mixing out, up at the at the top of the big relays next year. I mean, this year they had a great Chifemana, uh, but I think there is there is uh, there is more to get from from this Halden team in the in the coming years in Milenio-Cola. Uh,
0: from uh, Spanish guy to uh, some uh, Portuguese orienteering at uh, Madeira. It was the Portuguese uh, national champs at Madeira, Madeira this weekend. Started with a sprint and... Uh, on friday then a qualifier of uh, over middle distance on saturday and then a middle distance final on sunday um was uh, quite long winning time in the women's sprint there
1: yeah uh, so in women's sprint winning time was almost uh, 20 minutes and there was also some big big gaps uh, which i think it's yeah it's uh, it's kind of to be expected because none of the names in the top our runners that we are familiar with internationally uh so we in the women's class rita fernandez won uh i actually don't know if she's ever been running jaywalk or anything like that i probably should know that but yeah she's uh, twenty twenty four, so it would have been pre-covid uh so i can't can't remember um but they have big gaps and in the men's class uh, it was also big gaps but here was some some really big names taking part uh with the the Italian Francesco Mariani, the former junior world champion, winning with almost two minutes ahead of the, the best Portuguese Vasco Mendes. And we also see Ferent Jonas, the the Hungarian guy with medals from junior world champs uh, in third place. But he is almost, yeah, almost three minutes down. So big, big gaps.
0: Yeah, but uh, there, there we had, uh, yeah, one guy who definitely have, uh, or two guys who definitely have run and succeeded in... Uh... Jaywalk. Yeah, Uh, In the middle distance on um, the final on Sunday, uh, we see uh, uh, here is not uh, uh, Mariani at the start line, uh, Mm -hmm. but we can start with the women's here also.
1: Yeah, so in the women's class, uh, it was three, uh, the top three were all uh, first year junior runners. And yeah, for them, it was more like a long distance uh, because the winning time were just below one hour. Uh, Leonor Ferreira got the victory, uh, and, and I think uh, yeah, all the three girls that were in top three here were running J-Walk this year. Leonor Ferreira, Alessandra Serra Campos, and Joanna Canana and I think uh, Joanna Kanana was the best with the, she got at least one top hundred jaywalk. Uh, but these are of course these are young girls, so in three three years time uh, they might uh, improve. In two three years time, they might improve enough to. To be able to get yeah decent results at Jaewok, uh, but yeah uh, the the level of Portuguese uh, orienteering at the women's side isn't that high. Uh, we have Philippe, they have Philippa Rodriguez that is a very good runner, which uh, been showing a little bit in the international races this year. But she's living in Sweden, uh, so she and did not take part here. And I think if she was running, I would expect her to win a race like this with yeah probably around fifteen minutes.
0: Uh, in the men's class, uh, we have uh, some guys who has been uh, yeah, performing uh, quite well earlier on, and uh, yeah, we should say it was a really challenging courses here with uh, really uh, lots of route choices and uh, yeah, quite tight of the contour lines, uh, steep, uh, steep hills.
1: Yeah, I think we will talk a little bit more about maps later, but it was uh, it was a proper proper middle distance course, uh, tricky terrain and uh, thomas lima uh, he's pretty young 22 23 years old uh, he's having some decent results internationally last year uh, both that i think he was in the final at the at the sprint world championship and he also did the top 50 at the long distance at european championship he's a he's a he's a solid runner um, and he he won with uh, more than three minutes ahead of luis silva and luis silva he won these uh uh, Madeira U meeting last year uh, ahead of good runners like U- Ulrik Barnes and Emil Grandquist uh, so uh, the level here is it's it's pretty good uh, in third place we have Ricardo Esteves Ferreira uh, maybe or probably the biggest talent that Portugal has ever had uh, i remember back in j was it in Finland 2017 then he was in on the podium of the sprint distance and the following year in hungary he was in the top 10 at the Walk middle distance uh, unfortunately we haven't seen anything of him internationally since 2018 2019 or something like that um, so yeah it's uh he was a he was a very big talent and unfortunately we haven't seen him capitalize on that
0: uh yeah we can hope that uh, that's uh, can be possible uh, and about capitalization it could be uh t- possible to do some capitalization about uh, Madeira as an orienteering destination uh, for training camps uh, during winter?
1: Yeah, uh, because I think the, the climate there should be very good for winter training camps for, for athletes Yeah, from Scandinavian, from yeah, Switzerland, Austria, France, Britain and so on. Uh, great climate for, for running in the winter. Uh, and there is more and more maps uh, which i would suspect is uh, by pretty good quality at least uh, i think uh, tiago aires uh, is making a lot of maps on madeira and he is a very experienced map maker both from portugal but also from scandinavia i think he was living in 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 halden for a while drawing some maps there uh, so i think with more and more good maps uh, very Nice and warm weather in the winter. Uh, I I wouldn't be too surprised if uh, we see a big boost in yeah, in in top orienteers going to to Madeira in the winter. I think last year there was a group of the yeah some of the younger Swiss national team runners. They were there, uh, but that was mostly for a running camp. Uh, we saw some of the Anthony guys going there last year with Ulrich Casabona and Emil Granqvist, for example. Um, so that's one of the spots to to follow in the future. I think to to likely we will. See, I think it's likely that we will see more and more runners going there. And especially, uh, I was very positive, surprised by the by the courses and the the maps for this middle distance championship uh, because it looked like. Yeah, I mean that's it's proper orienteering it's not like you're running around in a more or less open area and it's very easy orienteering it's uh, yeah it's proper orienteering and also in the sprint distance uh yeah it's not the most in difficult city but uh, it's possible to make some some very good route choice legs um so yeah i would i would recommend everyone to go into into Live locks and there you can search for portugal and then you will see then you will find the uh, find these uh, courses from this competition and also there are other ways to find the the maps from last year, the Madeira U meeting for example, and then then you start getting uh, quite some maps that you can go train that.
0: Yeah, and for those who are uh, really in a hurry or who want to go there on uh, Christmas holiday, uh, we are taught that uh, they have uh, put out uh, permanent uh, controls already for uh, trainings. Uh, so, yeah, there is an uh, opportunity already uh, now in December. Mm-hmm. And about uh, opportunities, uh, there are someone uh, in this silly season searching for better opportunities in new clubs. Should we put it that way?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think we can start in Finland, where we have seen uh, some action on, on the women's side uh, with Tampre uh, one of the traditional very very strong teams on the women's uh, relays at milan nuclear uh, they have strengthened their team quite a lot with two very good runners uh, we have first any yalava from ms parma uh, last year she was yeah two times top 15 at european championship this year i haven't seen that much of her but uh, she is uh, a very very good runner and um, and if she is healthy and motivated and, and training good uh, I think she will be an extremely strong addition to the Tampere Pi team. Uh, and the same goes for Venla Taulaavourre. she's coming from the yeah a bit smaller club Jemsen Retke um, and Veikot. and she's not I don't think she's been running in the Finnish national team at elite level but she has a lot of these positions yeah between 10 and 20 at Finnish championship uh, so she's a good runner. And she should be able to do good relay legs. I think she's also quite young, uh, 22, 23 or something like that. So there's should be plenty of uh, space for improvement. And I think, yeah, Tampere have not been up there lately. Uh, they lost a little bit when uh, Simone Ebersholt left, for example. Uh, but with these two, and they have a very experienced core with Venla Harjo, Saila Kinney, and so on. Um, so, yeah, definitely a good boost for Tampre the girl team at the, for the relays next year.
0: And uh, we are taking the ferry from uh, Finland to uh, Lidingö
1: outside uh, Stockholm. Yeah, and there we see that the yeah, the experienced former British national team runner Hector Haynes, he's been changing from IFK Lidingö, where he's been running for, I don't know, maybe the last 10 years or so. And he's going to Ukoliné. Uh, I think he's living in Uppsala now. He has a Swedish Swedish girlfriend and a, and a small kid. Um, so then it makes sense for him to move club uh, as he's living, living in Uppsala. And also, uh, I saw his interview with the, with Ukoliné website. It was quite interesting to see that he, one of the main reasons for his change is that he has been lacking the motivations to train for the big relays lately. Which I fully understand because uh, yeah, back in the days when Hector Haynes was young and was running world championship and was doing good internationally, uh, EFK leading was also a very, very competent relay team fighting for the victory at Tiumila and um, So I think he has a second place at Jukula and maybe a fourth place as his best at the uh, Tiumila. I don't think he was in the team and leading was second. Um, and then the last six, seven years or so, f- five, six, seven years, uh, leading has declined a lot and yeah basically the last four years they've been nowhere in the relays Um, and when you're not when you're not at the level that he was before when he was fighting for top 10 top 15 at world champs uh, then the relays is very important and i can definitely understand why he why he looks forward to running for linear instead even if he might end up in the second team uh, it will be a lot easier to motivate yourself to train when you're when you know that if I'm getting in the first team, then we have a chance to win. Then running for a club like leading, where yeah, if if we do well, we will be in the top 30.
0: Yeah, to be uh, to ask you that question, will he be in the first team?
1: I, I think it's borderline, uh, but I mean he is very experienced. Uh, he has a lot of uh, he's been running a lot of good night legs at Milan Nuova, uh, and often leading has been running quite long legs. Um, quite hard legs i go against pretty good runners uh, no in Liné, if he gets in the team he's likely to be one of the yeah, he's guy number eight guy number nine or guy number 10 or something like that so then he will not likely not face the same quality of the runners uh, so I think I think uh, it's about 50 50 uh, the way I look at it now but I mean a lot of things can happen in half a year and yeah I think Hector is a few years older than me but he's not He's not that old, so 34, 35 or something like that. So he could still he can still be running at the high level. And I mean, this is a guy that he has been in the top 20 at World Champs a lot of times. I think his best result was uh, 10th place at the middle distance in Scotland back in 2015. So he's a very good runner. Uh,
0: about uh, good runners. Uh, uh, there is uh, one guy who was really good as a junior uh, coming from Australia. Uh actually winning the Junior World champ Sprint uh, in uh, Denmark in 2019. And uh, he was uh, there also number three in the long distance. Uh, Aston Key is his name. Yeah. And he uh, proceeded to be uh, performing really good uh, when he uh, came back running after COVID. Uh, but we haven't seen him uh, so much uh, this year.
1: Yeah, but uh, I mean, Aston Key, that's... Uh... That's a, a runner that he is very young, but he's still been around for a long, long time uh, as this this great wonder kid. Uh, I remember a long time ago. Could it be back in 2015 or 2016 or something like that? He 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 won the race in in Aok in the men 16 in the sprint class, but of course it didn't count as he's uh, Australian. Uh, and then he was also running J-Walk before he even turned a junior, uh, he had some, yeah, some, some decent results early on in Jaywalk. And then he was very, very good. Uh, the last year before COVID in 2019, when he won the, he won the, won the sprint, he was yeah, number third three in the in long, three in the long. And he was also on the top six in the middle distance, uh, which is extremely good for, uh, for any runner, but, uh, for a runner, not from Europe. That's uh, very sensational. Um, then, of course, 2020 is last year's junior. There was COVID and no no jaywalk. Um, and then, yeah, he came back after COVID with the uh, great, great results in the in the World Championship last year, fifth place in the sprint uh, at age 22. Um, yeah. So definitely one of the guys for the future, uh, a potential legend in the making if things are going well. Um, and then, as you said, we haven't seen him much this year, so that's a sign that things are not going well. So it's really interesting to hear what he has to say about his situation this year and how he looks at the future.
0: Yeah, we uh, picked up the phone and got a talk with uh, Aston. Uh, a really good talk. Uh, so uh, just listen to this. Even national or podcast has uh, got the line all the way down to uh, Australia to uh, talk with uh, Aston Key uh, to hear uh, what he is up to these days. Uh, Hello, Aston. How are you doing down there, as we say?
2: Yeah, good morning or good afternoon, I guess. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we... um... You're doing well, you're uh, telling us, but uh, yeah, we haven't seen you uh, so much in the orienteering forest uh, this season. Uh, you were really fast and good orienteering in last summer. I remember uh, especially impressive in the world champs in Denmark, the fifth place. But uh, what have uh, happened since then?
2: Yeah, I guess um, it's quite a long story, so I guess I'll I'll get into it, but basically i've uh I've got an injury that just uh won't go away so I've got a a long term injury I'd say that I've had since I was about six years old so really really young um in my hip and it's something that comes and goes like you know some years it doesn't bother me and then some years it's quite bad and unfortunately this year was a year that's it's been really bad so I've uh, I've had to take lots of time off since the last race I did was in uh, our the Oceanian Champs which is Australia versus New Zealand and other countries in the region. It's like the uh, it's like the European Champs except not as not as fiercely contended. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I understand, but uh, that was in January as far as yeah. I
2: know. Yeah, that was in very early January and then uh, after that, immediately after that, I was already in quite some pain and I was trying to figure out what the problem was and I still ran for maybe another month on and off trying to, trying to see if this injury was for real or whether it was just going to pass in a couple weeks and then it wouldn't go away. So I had lots and lots of trips to the physio and the sports doctor and I had all the MRIs and all the scans and everything and then eventually we realized that this wasn't going away and had to have some serious time off so I've, I, I'm have i doing the time off right now and yeah, I've been the, on my bike a lot.
0: Yeah you, you, you said it was uh, coming on and off since you were six years old uh, have it been so uh, long uh, disturbing you
2: as it has,
0: uh, has been this year like uh, almost a whole year?
2: Uh, yeah in the past when I was younger like quite a lot younger before I started running when I was you know 10 or 11 I had some serious surgeries where I was out for like yeah a long time like a year but this is the this is the first time where it's bothered me for this long since I've started running seriously so, yeah, yeah you
0: guess... you mentioned surgery is that an option also no or uh, do you have to just trained through it or what what's our uh, diagnosis
2: so the yeah i had all the surgeries when i was younger and it sort of reconstructed the hip and did a whole bunch of things that you know maybe i don't fully understand because i'm not a doctor but um speaking to the doctor recently surgery they don't think will help in any way they've sort of done as much as they can before i like a full hip replacement and which is obviously not something that I want at this stage in my life so it's just some rest well lots and lots of rest and hopefully the the uh, pain will go away I have gone down a few sort of routes to try and help uh, like on the advice of the doctors and the one that seems to be helping the most is stem cells so I'm actually getting some stem cell injections into my hip and I had the first one a couple months ago and it's starting to feel better. I actually went for my first run in since, you know, January just the other day and it felt, it felt not good, but it felt okay. So that's, that's promising.
0: Uh, That's, um, that sounds promising. Uh, Toa, how are you uh, mentally? I mean, um, uh, are you uh, motivated? Uh, We have seen you're uh, doing uh, quite a lot of, uh... Bicycling on the bike, uh, also in really tough competitions.
2: Yeah. Um. So I've always done a bit of uh, cycling to complement the running training because I've had this injury all the time and it restricts how much running I can do. But yeah, this is the first time I've ever really lent into the cycling training on its own, and it's it's quite fun. I like I like cycling. I like the uh, numbers with cycling, and the there's sort of no you can't hide. There's this is your power, and that's what it is. There's no like fudging the numbers and stuff like that. But it's not the same as orienteering. I I definitely like orienteering the best. But this this what has it been four or five months of cycling? Has been quite nice. And uh, and you are motivated. You are doing uh, quite a lot of
0: training, or or uh, are you just um, keeping uh, keeping the body active?
2: Yeah, so I had um I had four or so 3 or so months um from when I first got injured before I started cycling where I did absolutely no exercise because it was too painful to even even ride a bike. So I wouldn't say I'm keeping the body fit because I I lost all that running fitness unfortunately. So I'm with, well, there's not really any clear date where I'll be able to start running properly again. So I guess I'm training for just the sake of just the sake of training and something to pass the time. And cycling, uh, I guess, uh, to get the same amount of training as running, you have to do quite a lot of hours. So that's potentially why it looks like I'm training so much.
0: Yeah yeah you mean you have to do double hours or triple hours or something to uh, Yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah to get the same but uh but when you uh, you know were out running uh, the other day um, are you uh, even um, are you even thinking of the 2024 season do you dare to do so or uh, <laughs> is that uh, just uh, one step uh, back and two uh, behind again
2: or yeah, it's um obviously 2024, the summer season in Europe. That's the, that's the dream. That's the goal. I've been looking at uh, Edinburgh, the world champs in Edinburgh especially, and I've done already quite a lot of preparation for that. But, you know, I know <laughs> this last year I've sort of just taken a step back and realised, you know, I can't – not everything is perfect and it might work out and it might not work out. And it's been so long since I've been running. You know, it'll take a long time to get back. So I just got to, first of all, get back to running, and then and then see how see what happens.
0: Yeah, I I, I feel you're really realistic here. But uh, as uh, talented as you are, I I think if you're just starting running again, uh, your body will uh, remember how it is. So uh, yeah, and as a former Jaywalk champion and. Also, podium position in World Champs. Uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, when you first start, if you start running again, uh, it could be quite fast. You are up in uh, high level, I think. But uh, what will um, will you, uh, yeah, what is the prognosis now? Will you start run one uh, day a week or what, uh, what is, does it look like uh, the nearest month or so?
2: yeah I think it's uh it's really down to me at the moment because the the injury is so sort of it's hard to track exactly how it's how it's going so it's really just down to me and my feelings and you know how much pain i'm in so you know this run I went for the other day which was actually uh it was actually some orienteering as well it wasn't just uh it wasn't just a run because you know the orienteering the forest is a little bit softer on the on the joints and everything um so it's it's really just up to me and how much pain it is. So I might start with, yeah, maybe one a week or something like that. Some walking, some running, just really, really super slowly because I don't want to, obviously, any more setbacks.
0: Yeah, yeah, you will uh, You will not uh, uh, do too much too fast. Uh, you, uh, you said it was orienteering. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and we like to say in orienteering that we have so good uh, environment uh, between the runners and, uh, yeah. We are so good mates. Uh, Are you missing the the other guys uh, not going to Europe uh, both to compete or to spend time with the runners in uh, Europe?
2: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) A lot of my good friends are orienteering and uh, not going to summer this year and missing out on seeing some of the friends that live in Europe was obviously not so fun. But luckily, my uh, the friends that I made in Australia still, you know, we all hang out outside of orienteering as well. So I've still been able to keep in contact with them quite a lot, and I still come to the trainings and stuff if we have in sprint trainings and stuff in Melbourne just to just to watch or maybe I set the course or something, but not not participating myself.
0: Yeah, so uh, so you are doing uh, stuff like that, setting courses and. Uh looking at maps uh, that's not uh, that's mo- you think that's motivating not uh, demotivating
2: yeah i took i took some time at the start to or in the middle more more like more accurately sort of completely off orienteering because it was too sad to to look at maps and you know watching walk this year in switzerland which was a really big goal for me for so many years was really tough but yeah i really the reason I love our interior so much is I love you know the maps and I love all that stuff. So I eventually came back to setting courses and looking at maps with friends and helping, coaching my sister and that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, it must have been uh, strange for you uh, that uh, yeah for the except with the pandemic you've been uh, quite a lot uh, in Europe during the European summer or almost uh all, all the summer in europe and then uh, not been able to doing that uh, so uh, yeah is that uh, yeah something you miss also
2: yeah definitely since since like maybe 2015 except for covid we've been in europe each summer for orienteering so having to stay home this year and experience what the winter was like was a <laughs> It was not. It was not so fun. I imagine the winters nowhere near as bad as it it can be in Europe. But for me, uh, an Australian who likes the warm weather, it still still wasn't very nice. No, oh, I see. But um,
0: yeah. So uh, to uh, to sa- set out, are you uh, are you positively? You know, uh, after uh, yeah, trying those uh, new uh, ways of uh, inj- injections with stem cells. Uh, and uh, maybe we will see you in Europe next spring or summer.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm quite positive I'll be there. Whether I'll be back to full speed, that's the question. But I'm I'm quite optimistic that I'll at least be in Europe next summer at some form of competition. So, uh,
0: so uh, you have no, uh, um, yeah, qu- quite uh, optimistic, and uh, also hope to. Take part in Edinburgh, but uh, with not so big goals uh, as uh, as in Denmark.
2: Yeah, Denmark was quite a sort of surprise or breakthrough for me. I, I didn't have such big goals as what sort of happened. So I'll just come into Edinburgh. If I can get back to running and get in the team, first of all, I'll just arrive in Edinburgh probably with with no expectations and run as fast as I can and just see what happens. Yeah, uh, we
0: can. Uh, you're telling us uh, Denmark was uh, quite surprised, uh, fifth uh, place there as a young Australian. Uh, uh, I know uh, that you we, we have heard about uh, Grant Blue and Troy the House, real good, uh, maybe the best uh, Australian or uh, before you. And know uh, you are number five in the world champs, something that uh, they didn't manage. Uh, yeah, how, how was that possible?
2: yeah we um well yeah f- first before i talk about myself i guess there is actually been one australian world champion already in the sprint um hanny elston in 2006 she yeah i was uh, yeah and,
0: uh, i'm sorry yeah of course uh of course uh, i i um i was just talking about the uh, men's side but the uh, honey yeah. she was also only a junior
2: yeah
0: yeah really, uh, talented and impressive
2: yeah she is very talented um yeah,
0: but so, that was also in Denmark.
2: Yeah, it was. Yeah. So
0: yeah, uh, then 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 you have uh, allowed to talk about yourself, I think.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, I I uh, for Denmark. Last year, in the sprint. Um, well, first of all, I think I like the forest races better, but I think I'm slightly more suited towards the sprint. The sprint races. <laughs> Unfortunately or not unfortunately, but I just I really enjoy the forest ones, but just a little bit better at the sprint. So, uh, yeah, the world champs was my main goal, like it is sort of every year when I was a junior. The junior world champs was my main goal and everything is built around that. The whole season is sort of shaped around being it coming to, you know, end of June or start of July, whenever the championships are in the best possible shape, healthy and, you know, all that stuff. And having done enough races beforehand, so I'm in, you know, race ready, but not too many races that I'm starting to get tired. So I had planned the whole season around Denmark and obviously done, you know, in Australia, we have lots and lots of good sprint maps. It's not like in the sort of forest where we have to, we don't have as many as as European countries. In the sprint, we have lots of sprint maps, as, as many good ones as any other country, I'd say so we are we're at uh at no disadvantage there versus in the forest perhaps we're at a small disadvantage because we don't have as many as many nice forest trainings that we can do so we had done you know the whole team the whole team the whole like group that was potentially going to make the team for denmark had done lots of nice sprint trainings in sort of you know the 12 months leading up to it and you know like anybody that would be running in Denmark had done and I guess leading into the the months leading into into the championship I sort of switched my training into you know starting to get faster and starting to peak and then arrived in Europe just before the World Cup in Barros, which was about a was it, was it about a month before walk or a, a little bit more than a month? I'm not, ex- I can't exactly remember. I think yeah, World Cup a in bit, a was
0: a bit more than a month, I think.
2: Yeah. So I was quite lucky in being able to arrive so early. Most of us can't get over so early because of, you know, work and other stuff. So I was lucky. And then I did some races in, in Sweden and in England and, um, and in Finland I ran ukula just before walk, which maybe wasn't the best preparation, but I got to run the first leg so I still got a, a nice full night's uh, sleep and then I guess everything just sort of fell into place with the training at the right time. I managed to get the get the plan right and I was peaking just just at the right time and was even sort of getting a little bit better during the walk week right up until the last. The last afternoon, which was the individual sprint final. Uh, who is uh, helping
0: with uh, the plan there, uh, that the training is going uh, correct and uh, that you're you're telling that you have uh, to compete uh, uh, a bit, but not too much when you're coming to Europe? I, I, I would suppose it could be easy that you're really eager and then uh, compete uh, too much and are, are on a bit of a down when uh, the walk uh, come. Who set up the plan there
2: yeah it's it's mostly just me i've had um coaches in the past my parents have helped me a lot and i've had other coaches such as uh brody nankervis you might have heard of him he he runs for australia he's he was in the walk team this year but at the moment and last year it's just uh it's just been me sort of making the plan um i know i've been running for quite a few years now i know how my body reacts to the travel and the and the how how much time I need to get into sort of top shape once arriving in Europe and how many races and stuff. So that's sort of that's that's how I planned the that's how I planned the trip around WOK. And I guess you can sort of see my results is when I arrive into Europe they're quite bad. Like I always I always find this it's the same every time. It takes a couple weeks. Maybe it's the jet lag or maybe it's just I don't know something. The first week or couple competitions are always quite below average, I'd say. And then it then you sort of start to improve and come good and eventually you peak and then doing too many races is, you know, you just get too tired. It's racing and then resting and then racing and then resting. It's, it's not the best training. And you can see that by the time I leave Europe, which was in sort of August at the World University Champs in Switzerland, I was just so tired and I had no energy and all the speed i i just lost so you can you can sort of see the difference and that's sort of how i try and plan the season so walk is the most important one and i'm as fresh as i can be there and as as best shape and then what happens after it doesn't matter in my mind
0: no no of course uh, and uh, also after a real good um, walk you have this um, yeah what uh, they call the Walk depression or uh, where you are a bit uh, demotivated after the big goal of the season. Yeah, but, of uh,
2: course. Yeah.
0: But standing there at the podium uh, together with all the good runners must have felt uh, quite good, I think.
2: Yeah, it was um, yeah, it was it was quite surprising because yeah, obviously you know Casper, Gustav, Yannick, they're all like the ones that you look at it and they're always at the top of the results and. It's, it's yeah, to be up there with them was quite a surprise, but it was yeah, it was also quite nice. It was also nice to be up there with a, a friend, uh, Ralph Street, who was you know came and visited Australia a long, long time ago, and we've been friends since. That was that was nice.
0: Yeah, he was uh, number four also there, or was he number six? I think he was uh, number
2: six, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, because he has, uh, yeah, he has got those uh, fourth places this year. So uh, he is also knocking on the door for a, a world champs medal. Really, really. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and he has the champs on home soil uh, next year. Uh, and uh, But yeah, as you said, you are uh, performing best in the sprints uh, also at the J-Walk in Denmark in, in uh, 2019 when you won uh, the gold medal there.
2: Yeah, I guess maybe Denmark's. Denmark is my country, or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's just just happens to be.
0: No, I think uh, you're peaking quite good for the important uh, races. Uh, and uh, do you have? Uh, you know, maybe you, you can't have any plan uh, uh, as the situation is uh, right now. You just have to take it uh, like week for week.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Just just see how the leg responds to gradually higher volumes of running i'll obviously be keeping the cycling for quite a long time even if even if the running is going well just because i won't be able to get back to full training for a very long time so you know keeping the cycling going you know as long you know it's it's not the perfect training but it still trains the heart and it still trains the legs even if it's not exactly the right muscles if you have uh, quite high uh, frequency uh, it should
0: be quite okay i think yeah, but you're talking about you're doing quite a lot of how many hours are you doing cycling a week
2: um well, you have to i have to look at my strava but i think the average at the moment it's come down a bit uh because i've been a bit sick and other things the last few months but or the last few weeks but before that the average was maybe 25 hours a week or something
0: yeah uh, and back to
2: the doctor stuff
0: uh is it um do you have uh, such in injections of uh, stem cells uh, uh is it once a month or uh, uh, how is the uh what's the plan with the, those uh, things
2: yeah so the plan was, the plan is uh just just two injections um uh 6 months apart so i had the first one as i said before about 2 months ago i can't exactly remember and so the next one is planned early next year sometime in february or something and, yeah, that's actually been that's uh, been making making quite a difference, I think. Uh, maybe it's just the placebo, but I think it's been getting a bit better, and the doctor said you'd maybe feel the difference every sort of it's not like a it all gets better at once, it just gets a little bit better one month at a time. And so yeah, hopefully after the second injection in a few months that maybe I can you know. Maybe it'll be even better, but who knows? It's really just gotta wait and see.
0: Yeah,
2: so that's
0: that's uh, in January or something you said.
2: Yeah, January or February. It's in the it's in the calendar, but I can't remember the exact exact date.
0: Maybe we also should put that in our uh, uh, calendar in the podcast to uh, to hear uh, how how it's uh, with you then uh, after uh, after uh, that injection and. Uh... And follow you on Strava until then to see how much uh, you are running compared to cycling.
2: Yeah, all my all my stuff is on Strava, so if you want to see, it's it's all there. So yeah,
0: think. then then it's a big uh, and good uh, recommendation for all the listeners also to to see what's uh, going on. And uh, yeah, as you said, uh, placebo. You should not uh, joke about that. That's also an effect, uh, definitely. And uh, yeah it it was uh, nice and uh, uh, interesting to hear about uh, your situation uh, and uh, uh, unfortunately it's uh, yeah, we have not seen you uh, in the big races this year, and we really hope to see you next year.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me and yeah I'll, I'll do everything I can to be back in in Europe next year for the season.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Aston. and uh, yeah, we will. Uh, pick up uh, the phone again and, uh, after the Christmas and uh, February or so, and uh, then we can uh, take a new talk and uh, see how it's going. Thanks a lot.
2: Thanks for having me. For the last part to go.
0: That was uh, Aston Key uh, talking to International National Orienteering Podcast. Uh, and you made some uh, bullet points uh, during the talk here uh,
1: Ivo? yeah uh, first of all uh, yeah of course I, I knew it was serious when when i saw that uh, when i didn't see him any results this year uh, i remember he was re- running this uh, ocenn championship in january where he was winning with big big margins um, but yeah uh, when it's been gone for so long it's always something not good and um, but yeah this was uh it's sou- it sounded even more serious than i was imagining uh but yeah obviously it has been bothering him since he was a he was a small kid uh, so it's been yeah back and forth a little bit uh, some years very good some years very bad and this year has been definitely a very bad year for his his body and and i mean that's that must really really suck uh i i think from i can i was injured maybe Five months or something like that when I was 22 uh, and that was horrible and he's been injured for yeah, for 12 months and still with a long way to go uh, so I can only imagine uh, that it must be very tough mentally um, because obviously he's a, he's a guy that loves orienteering uh, and when he has he knows that he has so much potential he has so good chances in, in championships both in the near and distant future uh, so it must be hard for him to to keep positive and I think it was a yeah I think it was a good decision what he said was in the summer or something like that when he took a, a longer break from thinking about orienteering uh, I think that if you're all the time going around being disappointed and angry and sad about things you can't do uh, it's going to be hard to to get back in the right mental balance um so that's that's uh that's a, that's a good thing and of course very good to hear that he's already back in already uh, maybe not the right word but that he's back in trying to run a little bit uh, and hopefully things are are going well with this uh, stem cell treatment and I still hope we can see him see him in international races next year at the good level
0: yeah that would be uh, really good if he can uh, yeah come back and race in Europe uh, next year Uh, we
1: can uh... yeah but uh you know and then i was thinking a bit uh, he said that uh, yeah you know the it's it's maybe a little bit better to run in the forest than to run on hard surface uh, so i mean maybe in the future we will see him as a as a pure forest runner maybe you know when it's every second year when there is forest world championship then he comes to europe early in the spring and he spends four months just running in scandinavian soft forest or something like that and then he can train Really, really good, and perform at the championships, and then the rest of the uh, the time he has to be on the bike home in uh, home in Australia.
0: Yeah, that that could be a possibility. But as you said, uh, it's uh, it was a pus- positive sign for him with this uh, stem cells, and we just hope uh, that uh, when we, yeah, probably pick up the phone and get the line down to Australia again uh, some uh, sometimes after Christmas. Maybe he is running. More and uh, yeah, can be able to compete. Uh, yeah, already yeah. 2024.
1: Yeah, and then I think I think he was kind of downplaying his uh, his training. Yeah, I mean he admitted that he was training a lot of hours, but yeah, he he, he tried to give us the impression that not with uh, maybe not with so good quality. Uh, but I've seen his uh, uh, his training on Strava and some of his uh, power data from this cycling training where he's been cycling yeah very fast up different climbs uh, around there and I think his physical form is uh, is very very good and I don't think he needs a lot of weeks with good running training before he is able to compete at the highest level I mean we have seen before that yet has basically not been running the whole year before World Championship and still being able to fight for a medal uh, in the sprint races so I think with uh yeah with Aston keys with this natural talent uh, and the level he was at before and with the training he's been doing while injured I think uh, I think he can be competitive with uh, uh, with very little training, specific training.
0: Yeah, we just have to cross our fingers to, uh, that he is uh, doing things right and uh, the, the things are going his way uh, then we will see him in the orienteering forest and on the results list. Uh, Again, already next season. Um, but uh, is there something to expect uh, next week? To talk about in an international.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean there is always things that happening. Uh, there is. A... I, think, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think this week it starts this uh, the five days of uh, of Spain. Uh, do you know where in Spain it is this year?
0: Uh, no, I'm not uh, uh, into this, this yet, but uh, I will be uh, in a couple of days when they are starting in, uh, yeah, just in two days when we are talking.
1: Yeah, so hopefully we have some results from Spain to talk about. Uh, I hope some of the some of the the national team runners are there, uh, so we can see some proper racing. Uh, hopefully also some nice maps, and then uh, I hope you find also a, a very good and interesting interview object for for next week
0: yeah we have some uh, on our list here and uh, we will uh, get in uh, contact but that will be a an x until you uh, will uh, hear next week in even national so uh, yeah stay tuned and uh, listen also next week
1: bye bye on nature outdoor løpa orientering med karta och kompass och rättige sko siktar sågare det bästa notering för kroppen vallet och
0: god i vår national orienteering podcast Mapping converse navigation skill orienteering competition jag har mött några jävla bå och bastar på, på running like a motherfucker i vår national orienteering podcast